Welcome to Health to be Determined, a podcast about the social determinants of health. This podcast is hosted by Dr. Gabriel Kaplan, board president of the National Association of Chronic Disease Directors. Dr. Kaplan interviews Dr. Monica Burrell, commissioner of the Massachusetts Department of Public Health, and Ben Wood, director of community health planning and engagement within the Department of Public Health. Together, they discuss Massachusetts' unique approach to addressing the social determinants of health, especially the adaptation of the Determination of Need program. Thanks for joining us. It is great to have an opportunity to have a conversation with you both and to talk about Massachusetts' approach to the root causes of health disparities. Can you tell us a bit about this approach and how Massachusetts thinks about these issues and sort of approaches the idea of what a public health department's role should be in addressing these? Absolutely. So, you know, when we think about our Department of Public Health, I think in general about our role as public health individuals. And, you know, if you think about our work as a department, it's really to provide opportunities to keep people healthy. And when we think about that, addressing and investing in safe and healthy communities is really a core part of our work in that area. And for me, this is really developed from my clinical experience. I'm a primary care internal medicine doctor by training. And when I was doing my clinical work, I saw again and again examples where treating someone's chronic disease like their diabetes or high blood pressure was much easier than actually getting to the root cause of why when they know what to eat, they're still eating the 99-cent pizza or um, not knowing where to store their insulin because they sleep under a bridge. Those questions for me were the real essence to why the patients I were caring for couldn't treat their chronic diseases or couldn't be healthy. And so here at the Massachusetts Department of Public Health, we're really focused on being outcomes-focused, data-driven, and with a focus on both quality public health and healthcare services. And our ultimate goal is an emphasis on social determinants to eradicate health inequities. And we do this through a framework that I call our Department of Public Health House. And that is by focusing on using the data that we already collect to underline and emphasize the importance of social determinants in all of our health, and then finding where our data disparities are and putting a laser focus on using our limited resources towards those health disparities to truly allow people to have opportunities to be healthy. So it sounds like one of the challenges really is to raise the consciousness of the staff about the importance of these root causes, these health disparities, and the inequities that can exist across communities and and understanding that not all communities are the same. So have you consciously tried to incorporate that understanding and education and awareness in both the recruitment process and the onboarding process in Massachusetts? Um, You know, that's an interesting question. I find in my work that the individuals who work at the Department of Public Health are truly invested in improving communities and making changes at the community level. What sometimes can be challenging is that sometimes our partners or stakeholders don't have that same level of understanding or deep appreciation for the level of policy work and programming work that can be done in the community that then can help someone be disease-free. So I come from our um, healthcare system, 
And as you've heard many times, healthcare can sometimes be called a disease care system, right? Because by the time we're seeing someone um, presenting with the complications from their chronic diseases, it's often too late to make the changes that can truly give them help. And a lot of times our staff actually understand that, and many of them, as we've developed this framework of addressing disparities through data and with a focus on social determinants, have been really excited to have the framework to do their work in that way. Our focus and attention on addressing health disparities has been really um, rejuvenating for a lot of our staff. And I will say that one of the things that comes up a lot is really having the funding to do this upstream work. One of the areas we focused on here at the Massachusetts Department of Public Health is very closely looking at what levers do we have within our department and what areas do we have where we can affect change with our existing programs, policies, or regulations. So one of the levers that you have, I believe, is this determination of need program. So how is that uh, used as a mechanism for addressing the social determinants? So our determination of need program, which in many states it's called um, the certification of need program, about half of the states roughly have it. Um, Mm -hmm. Our determination of need program has been around since the 1970s. And when we looked at the work that we were doing in our vision towards highlighting our work in the communities, we wanted to look at our work with the healthcare system and where we can make system level changes. So the purpose of the Determination of Need program is really meant to look at the public health value of any healthcare improvement expansion program. And it really focuses on looking at the public health value and how we can promote population health and look at innovative health delivery models and really thinking about equity. So looking at this determination of need program and and what is meant by the determination of need program, we recognize that this could be a really significant tool for us to leverage. So in 2017, we underwent extensive reform of our determination of need program that really included a laser focus on how health systems can address the social determinants really from an upstream point of view. And a major part of that regulation and the changes in that regulation were to look at our community health investments. As part of our determination of need process, um, health systems make a 5% contribution to community health initiatives. And that process can result, depending on how big their project is, on a significant amount of money. And in the past, before we made the reforms, there was really no accountability of how those investments were made. So to give you an example from when I was in my clinical time, you know, a community health investment could go to a food pantry where my patient would receive several, um, you know, cans of soup. And that patient who was sleeping under the bridge had no use for that, although they had a great need to have their food insecurity addressed. So what we wanted to do with the way we changed this was make sure that we were putting in place investments that made sense to the communities that were being involved. And I'd like Ben to just give you a little bit more information about the community health Mm -hmm. investments because I, I think individuals can learn a lot from the model we use there. So hi, everybody. I have the pleasure at DPH of um, providing leadership on the Community Health Initiative part of the DON program at DPH. And as Commissioner Burrell was saying, the 2017 regulation revision gave us a, a chance sort of to step back and really try to make sure that we were getting what we wanted out of that program and make sure that it was aligned with the public health principles and priorities that Commissioner Burrell has already laid out. And just to give people just a, the, 
the real big basics of it, Mr. Burrell said that the, there's a, a 5% cost essentially um, that relate that results in a community health project that a hospital needs to engage in. So that can be a, a small amount of money. So if a hospital is coming to the department with a request to engage in some sort of new um, technology, buy an MRI machine or something like that, that the, the total cost of that might be, you know, a couple million dollars. And so 5% of that isn't a, a whole bunch of money, um, but it's certainly still significant. Uh, but there could also be really large projects, you know, billion dollar plus capital building projects. So 5% um, can be a tremendous injection of critical community health resources into communities. And so what we did when um, we took this sort of step back to revise the regulation was a couple of different things. First of all, we, we codified for the very first time in regulation that just 5% contribution was required. Previous to that, um, it had been um, what we essentially called a customary contribution, but um, by fully codified in regulation, we have now the ability to provide a lot more structure around the program. And then what we also did with the regulation was we essentially said that hospitals to fulfill their community health initiative requirements have to meet state-defined health priorities. And by putting that language into the regulation enabled us to define exactly what we mean by uh, state health priorities and through sub-regulatory guidance really sort of as the commissioner was saying, laser focus in on our priorities around um, making sure that hospitals were identifying um, and addressing social determinants of health. And so what we did was we created a framework for sort of talking about social determinants, and we you know, used six domains. So we used housing, employment, education, the built environment, the social environment, employment, and education as just the basic way in which we talk about what those health priorities are. And then we also identified a series of health outcomes and focus issues that uh, we know are overriding um, issues in communities across the state. So we look at mental health, substance use disorders, homelessness, and um, chronic disease with a focus on the chronic conditions that are um, real drivers of health outcomes and quality of life. And so by creating a sub-regulatory guidance, some structure around what we mean by those social determinative health domains, and by asking hospitals to pay attention to these um, focus issues, where what we're in effect doing is allowing communities to identify what the needs are present in their communities and set their own needs, but to have this overarching state framework that ensures that the dollars are um, being invested in actually um, affecting change at the community level. That's great. I think for those of our listeners in chronic disease who aren't as familiar with the certificate of need process, I mean, the basic principle that I understand it is that to sort of have some influence and control on uh, the expansion of the ho- of the health system and to ensure that health systems aren't just expanding where the money is, but are expanding in proportion to the needs of communities, there's a bit of a regulatory process and, and health systems have to petition the state for permission to build a new wing or, as you pointed out, to buy particular equipment that might be a revenue generator for them, and it tries to prevent the um, sort of phenomena of scarcity in some neighborhoods and then empty beds with too many hospitals sort of moving into other neighborhoods, and it tries to to regulate that process. And so your response in Massachusetts is to say that that's fine as part of that process uh, in assessing that need is to make sure that part of that investment also goes back into the community directly to address their particular needs. How do you engage the community and and involve them in decision making? For those who don't know, there's some similar stipulations in building, for instance, when a developer needs to do a big development in a community, a lot of cities say, well, X percent of this money needs to go into artwork. And so the developer does it sort of as an afterthought. And sometimes communities end up with these artworks that are commissioned that don't necessarily 
necessarily conform to what their values are and can create some controversy in the community. How do you avoid that um, in this space uh, and making sure that the community health initiatives that get chosen by health systems really meet community needs and reflect the interests and the voice of the community? You know, the way you summarize the determination of needs process is spot on. It's about making sure that there's public health value to expansions and um, improvements within the healthcare system. And when we had an opportunity to reform that process, which by the way included streamlining it, modernizing it, making it easier for health systems to engage with this regulatory step, we also wanted to modernize and improve the way um, we think about the community health investments. So just to uh, be clear, the community health investments that Ben described were actually already part of the determination of need process here in Massachusetts. But what we wanted to do is when we took a step back, we said, this is millions of dollars that is coming from the healthcare system to, to the community. It's already money coming into the community, but we wanted to help the healthcare system understand how to move those investments upstream so they're really tackling the root causes of the diseases that they're seeing and providing communities with resources they need. But you asked a really important question around how community health investments engage the community, um, and Ben's been a real leader in this, so I want him to address that for you. It's a tremendous question, and it is um, really one of the guiding principles that uh, we took into the, the planning process and the stakeholder engagement process that we went through to revise the DON regulation. So we absolutely see that community engagement practices are a foundation of understanding how to actually think about why health inequities exist in communities and to ensure that the strategies and the solutions that are being raised up and that hospitals are going to be implementing come from, um, come from a community voice and actually meet the needs of people. So what we did do was, through several regulatory guidance, create a series of guidance documents that we require hospitals to use as they're going through the determination need process, the application process, and um, one of those um, guidance documents is solely focused on community engagement. And so we have set expectations and standards that ensure that the hospital is setting a vision for what they are hoping to accomplish in partnership with um, community stakeholders, residents, multi-sector um, partnerships, and ensuring that, the, again, the, the voice of the community is sort of the overriding voice that is part of the decision-making process. So we did some, some real simple things with that, um, with the guidance. We used the well-known and well-used public participation spectrum um, that is used in a lot of public health planning processes to essentially ask hospitals to place themselves on the spectrum of do they go out and are they informing the public? Are they consulting with the public? Or are they actually moving toward a community-driven and a community-based decision making process and we ask them to articulate how they can defend the processes that they're uh, going through as part of the application process and it gives DPH an opportunity to consider that, look at that um, and provide feedback and provide some requirements and conditions if, um, if need be based upon the standards that we have um, set forth. That's great. If you don't mind Dr. Kaplan, I just want to go back to what Ben was saying when we set the guidelines for our healthcare system partners around the social determinants of health and, and talked about the six domains. We also along with that set state-level health priorities. And those state-level health priorities were chosen based on data. I um, spoke to you about how our Mass Department of Public Health Foundation is around using data to highlight the social determinants and then target disparities. 
And one of the things we um, looked at with our data were the what health priorities would be most impacted from changes at community level interventions. And so we came up with four state health priorities um, that I think it's important to understand. And those include addressing um, homelessness and in individuals with housing instability, those with substance use disorder, mental health and mental wellness, as well as preventable chronic disease. So when we engage with our um, healthcare system partners around the social determinants and this very um, important piece around engaging the community it's based on that framework of the social determinants, but looking at the Massachusetts state health priorities to be able to address one or more of those. Are there examples where a health system selected an initiative in cons- consultation with the community that sort of aligned with those priorities but required them to bring in some non-traditional partners uh, that public health doesn't often work with, uh, either like a Department of Transportation or an Office of Economic Development that you can uh, sort of highlight for us? Absolutely. So we're, we're really starting to see some successes, which is incredibly exciting to us. So as probably in lots of other parts of the state, housing is a um, is an overriding issue that communities are facing, both in terms of quality of housing, affordable housing. So this has been an area where we've seen a lot of hospitals start to dig in lately. And I will just back up and say that one of the standards that we have set forward in our community engagement guidelines is actually to ensure that there is a multi-sector partnership that, is, that the hospitals are using as an advisory committee, and we name specific sectors for this purpose of ensuring that the, you know, the quote-unquote influencers of the social determinants of health are really active participants in the uh, decision-making process. So we do name that housing stakeholders and education stakeholders and employment sector stakeholders are part of the advisory committees that hospitals are using to drive decision-making. Uh, but let me give you a, a real concrete um, example that's coming out of Boston right now. So we have uh, one of our um, health systems that has been a real leader in um, thinking about the connection between housing and health, and they had a, an approximately $7 million community health initiative uh, requirement that they had to implement, and they decided to go all in on housing, and they did that in a couple of different ways, in some more traditional, uh, what I would call more traditional public health, housing, and um, health-related interventions, but also in um, much newer and and, um, more innovative ways, including making investments in a social equity fund that is putting money into actual new affordable housing development and also supporting um, the development of a new grocery store in a neighborhood in Boston where there was the lack of affordable options, which definitely relates to the, you know, one of the priorities that we've set forward, which is to influence chronic disease and the, the major risk factors of chronic disease being uh, one, of, one of which, of course, being uh, nutrition and food access. Uh, but then they've also, through their leadership, they brought in two other um, Boston hospitals to um, participate in some of the housing-related work that they've been doing. So they've, um, all three of those hospitals are pooling together some of their determination need required investments into one initiative, which is called the Innovative Stable Housing Initiative, the ISHI Initiative, uh, and that has three different strands attached to it, one of which is a flex fund, so a, um, an actual pool of significant resources to address the real immediate housing stability issues that people are facing in Boston and in, in particular neighborhoods in Boston where there has been disinvestment and where there is a lot of displacement happening. And um, also in uh, what they call an upstream fund to identify innovative policy solutions to the housing crisis um, in Boston and then also a what I would consider to be the most, the most exciting thing is a real resident-led fund um, that is designed essentially to um, leave the, in some ways, leave the hospital out of the decision-making process and to put money into the hands of 
Boston residents to identify their own creative solutions to the housing crisis. So through this type of, uh, of, of investment, we're seeing the creat- through the creativity that we're super excited about to uh, understand how to really dig in on social determinant of health issues and actually move farther upstream and really understand the root causes of those issues, which takes the hospitals into talking about and thinking about issues around structural racism and the historical patterns of why disinvestment has happened in particular neighborhoods and really try to um, understand those and work with residents and stakeholders to um, sustainably create solutions. Dr. Kaplan, if you don't mind if I, um, just to really emphasize the example that Ben gave around um, a use of the community health investment for housing. I mean, you should take a step back and look at this. This, is ex- this has been, in Massachusetts, thus, this has been transformational. When you look at this is money that was already going from the healthcare system into the communities that now is being used in a way that we know impacts our public health goals of allowing communities to live healthier, and we've never had this before, where the healthcare systems are investing those community health resources to directly impact those. And it really um, is exciting to us as a department, as a state, because when we think about, you know, the saying that we all know about how um, zip code contributes to health more than our genetic code, and here is the healthcare system contributing to the response and the um, improvements that we need for health equity. So we're really excited about that. The example that Ben gave is one example. And in Boston, where many times health systems are competitive with each other, here we're seeing them working collaboratively to improve health equity. Oh, that's great. That's fascinating. Any thoughts on how other states uh, can bring this work uh, into their chronic disease portfolios if they haven't previously worked with their certificate of need programs or if they don't have access to those kinds of things? Are there aspects of this program that are easily translatable to other states? So certificate of need programs is one example that worked here in Massachusetts. What might be more generalizable is that um, since the ACA, every state has community benefits that go from healthcare systems to the community. And there are ways, for example, in Massachusetts, we've aligned our work with the community health investments with our attorney general's office. And that is one area where I believe a lot of work can be done. And Ben, I'll say a couple of things about that as well. Yeah, I think that that is one of the um, the big successes that we've seen is, is to ensure that the DON, the Determination Need Program in Massachusetts, is um, aligned with some of these other state initiatives and really giving us an opportunity to see things work in a more sustainable fashion. So DON or certificate of need would be um, in any other state if they had something similar to what Massachusetts has, episodic investments, right? That they only happen when um, a hospital is going through the DON process, but the community benefits process that nonprofit hospitals have to go through to meet their um, Affordable Care Act requirements are routine. They have to do community health needs assessments every three years. They have to define uh, implementation strategies that relate to those community health needs assessments. And so state health authorities, in our opinion, um, really need to figure out a way to dig into needs assessments that are happening at the community level led by healthcare systems and to figure out how to layer on their, their state health priorities to those processes so that there's a more systematic and sustainable way of addressing community-level conditions. And, and again, I think from our perspective, ensuring that those regular and ongoing processes prioritize diagnosing and understanding social determinants of health and their root causes so that implementation strategies and investments are really upstream investments and moving away from the where the sweet zone traditionally has been with healthcare system, which is, of course, downstream work. I'm sorry we don't have more time to continue this conversation. It has just been fascinating, and I really am 
I'm grateful to you both for being able to share your experiences in Massachusetts with our audience and listeners across the country. I hope that this has proved valuable and provides opportunities to export these wonderful ideas to other states. Commissioner Burrell and Ben Wood, thank you very much uh, for talking with us today. Thank you for having us. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Health to be Determined, a podcast brought to you by the National Association of Chronic Disease Directors. Please visit www.chronicdisease.org to listen to more podcasts like this one.